Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Super Sleuths Book 4 The Black Castle by E.M. Clark. Read by Lexi. Chapter 5 Bin Men. The sleuths and Captain Jet made their way silently around the Cape, staying under cover of the palm trees. After rounding the bend of the bay, they paused. This is the right place, whispered Milo, pointing ahead above the gently waving palms. Look at the vultures! They all looked in the direction Milo was indicating, and, sure enough, above the trees there were hundreds of the sinister black birds gliding on the updrafts of the wind currents. I hope they stay up there, said Zav, stroking Rafa, who was perched on his shoulder, chattering quietly. I don't like the look of them. They remind me of the cause in French town. Yes, agreed Sophie. They've got the same leathery look about their heads. Let's hope they aren't Igor's creatures like the cores are, muttered Sam, frowning. We need to head down to the shore, said Captain Jet. That's where the caves will be. They made their way carefully down to the shore, walking around the many large black rocks that were scattered about. This is the same rock as the lagoon, said Milo, putting his hand to one of the lumps, black and hard. As they approached the beach, it became obvious that they'd have to leave the cover of the trees. They paused at the edge of the palms. Anna, said Zelie to her parrot, go and check the way is clear. Damaria, said Sophie, patrol further out. Let us know if you see anything. The two parrots chirruped their understanding and flew off. Be careful not to leave footprints, whispered Captain Jet as they cautiously advanced towards the caves. They nodded and Sam waved the palm leaf he had been using to brush away their prints in the sand. While they waited for the parrots to report back, they gazed out at the shore before them. In the distance the vultures circled and swooped, but they could see no sign of the island itself. Mist crept onto the sand from the sea, and tendrils of it whispered around the black rock caves, stroking the sleuths' faces and making them shiver. That's no ordinary mist, remarked Captain Jet, frowning. Looks enchanted to me. We need to be careful. There are a lot of caves, said Sophie. It's going to take some time to search them all. Some will be too small, I reckon, said Sam. That should narrow it down a bit. The one we're searching for must be quite big, agreed Zav, especially if it was used by adults as a secret passageway, like old Pete said. Just then, Anna fluttered back. The coast is clear, she twittered, and they stepped out from the shelter of the palms onto the shore. The sleuths spread out to look for any caves which could be the opening to a passageway under the sea. Look, this seaweed has been trodden on, said Sophie, crouching down by some rather battered-looking seaweed, its bubbles popped and deflated. And that's ash from the kind of pipe I've only ever seen sailors use, added Milo, kneeling next to her to take a closer look. Excellent, said Captain Jet. That's exactly the kind of clue we need. Hmm, he said, crouching down to join Milo and Sophie. These don't look very fresh to me, so they can have been left recently. We may be onto something. We just have to hope that Count Zuto doesn't yet know about the caves or the passageway. Let's get out the portable illuminators so we can see what's up. Watch your footing, cried Zav, as he nearly fell over at the opening of the cave. This seaweed's slippery. 
the sleuths made their way gingerly into the increasing gloom of the cave. As soon as they were inside, the temperature dropped and Rafa shivered, tightening his arms around Zav's neck. Sam clicked on one of the portable illuminators and a strange glow lit up the darkness ahead. Listen to the echoes, said Sophie. The word came back to her. Echoes, echoes. And with a little whimper, Rafa hid his face in Zav's neck. Look over there, said Milo. At the back, the cave seems to go further in. They moved cautiously. Captain Jet had to duck as the roof of the cave sloped lower and lower. And indeed, Milo was right. At the end, revealed by the greenish glow of the illuminator, the sleuths saw that the dark black rock stretched out and became a passage. It's the secret passageway, said Zelly with glee as they walked into it, seaweed popping and cracking underfoot. Do you think it'll go under the sea? It's getting very smelly and damp, so it looks like it must do, replied Zav. Rafa's not keen. The little monkey was very quiet and was still hiding his face in Zav's neck. He doesn't like the dark, said Zav, patting the little monkey to reassure him. I don't blame him, said Sophie with a rueful smile. It's getting clammy, said Milo, and sloping downwards. We must be going under the sea. The going was tough, and the rock under their feet became wet and slippery, made more treacherous by the winding route the path took. The low roof meant they had to bend over, and the slimy walls pressed closer to them with every step. It's quite hard to breathe, croaked Zelly, and she was right. There seemed to be less and less air the further down the passage they went. Just as they were starting to worry that they might need to turn back, the passage took a sudden turn, and immediately the rocky ground sloped uphill. The sleuths put on a burst of effort, feeling at last that they were moving towards the end of the tunnel. Suddenly, a freshness hit their nostrils, and they were breathing in pure, fresh air, laced with the tang of sea salt. Look up! It's a blowhole! said Sam. You can see the sky. They all stopped and looked up. A jagged hole in the ceiling revealed a vivid patch of blue above them. It was very strange to suddenly see blue sky after being so long in a dark tunnel. They all filled their lungs with the fresh air and craned their necks to try to see ahead. I think we're nearing the end of the passage, cautioned Captain Jet. Let's keep moving, but quiet now. More light was gradually creeping in as they continued forward, and they moved slowly and carefully. Suddenly, as they rounded the next corner, Captain Jet stopped dead. He held up his hand, signalling them to stop, and they all backed up. There's a guard on the beach, Jet whispered. We should have expected that. He peered around the corner again, and he's wearing House of Barbosa livery. It's the Barbosa Information Network. Not the bin men again, groaned Zav. We got the better of them in Frenchtown, though, remember, said Sam, a grin splitting his face. They're rubbish guards. The sleuths stifled their giggles. What do you call a member of the Barbosa Information Network who no longer works for the organisation? asked Milo. A has-been, chortled Zelly, and the sleuths smothered their laughter once more. What does a member of the Barbosa Information Network say if they've done something a million times before? asked Sophie. Been there, done that, got the bin bag, responded Sam promptly, and even Captain Jet grinned, though he put his finger to his lips. But seriously, said Sophie, if the bin men are patrolling, 
This means that Igor's definitely involved with Zuto. Why else would House of Barbosa guards be stationed here? You're right. Further evidence that those two are definitely in cahoots, agreed Captain Jet grimly. Well, we'll need to get past him to find out where Par and Albi are, said Zav practically. No problem. Sophie and I can use our magic, said Zelly. They won't be able to see us if we use the invisibility spell. That makes sense, but I don't feel happy sending you two in alone, said the captain worriedly. It's the only way, said Sophie. We'll need all our powers to extend the spell and get the Professor and Albie out of the castle. We can't take anyone else with us, as we won't be able to make that many people invisible. Captain Jet and the others could see the sense in this. Zelly and Sophie had extraordinary magical powers, but they were limited. The more people the spell needed to cover, the more difficult the magic was. We'll send Anna or Demaria back with a message when we know what's going on, added Zelly. Captain Jet looked at the girls. Okay, be careful. We will be, said Zelly, and Sophie nodded. Fairy fee, fairy fee, grant us invisibility, whispered the girls, and they slowly started to wobble at the edges, arms and legs disappearing, then their torsos and heads, until they were quite invisible. Wait, Milo hissed before the girls could make their way out of the passageway. Don't make footsteps in the sand or they'll see them even though you're invisible. Good point, breathed Zelly. We won't. We'll avoid the beach where we can and step on the rocks. Zelly and Sophie crept out from the passageway. The others watched them and held their breath, but the two girls got safely past the guard who was yawning widely and picking his nose looking bored. They stuck to the rocky pathways, jumping from rock to rock to prevent making prints and avoided stepping on any small shells as they would crunch and possibly give the girls away. To the horror of everyone watching, Sophie mistimed a jump and landed heavily on some small rocks. They made a crunching noise and the guard looked up, staring right in her direction. Sally quickly grabbed Sophie's hand and pulled her up behind a large rock, away from the small stones. They both crouched down behind the big rock and stayed very still as the bin man approached, still staring intently at the spot where Sophie had landed. Zelly squeezed Sophie's hand as she was shaking with fear. Fortunately, the bin man's laziness soon got the better of him. He had a cursory look round and, seeing nothing, shrugged and moved away once more, sitting himself under the shelter of a huge black rock. Phew, whispered Zelly. That was close. Come on, let's get out of here. Unbeknownst to him, the guard's movements had been very helpful. Behind him and the giant rock, Sophie and Zelly could see a path snaking up the cliff. The cliff was black rock too, and they made their way up it silently. Although it was steep, it wasn't far. But as they ascended the path, the mysterious mist they had spotted from the tunnel seemed to grow thicker, enveloping them entirely. Suddenly, from out of the mist, a huge castle appeared before them. It was built of black rock, tall and strong, with thin slits for windows which frowned down on them. It looked grim and forbidding, and the jet-black vultures wheeling and circling above it only added to the sinister atmosphere. One wall faced the sea on a cliff, and the others had windows with bars on, but there didn't seem to be a door. How odd, thought Sophie. Surely there has to be a door somewhere. They moved cautiously towards the castle and listened for voices to give them a clue what to do next. Listen, whispered Zelly, that's Pa. 
They paused, and sure enough, they could hear the professor's voice coming from one of the castle windows. The girls squeezed each other's hands excitedly. Let's creep up to the window, suggested Zelie, and they silently positioned themselves directly under the window where the voices were coming from. I will ask you again what do you want, they heard the professor say in an exhausted voice. A cold voice filled with menace greeted this response. You know what we want, Professor, and you will give it to us if it's the last thing you do on this earth. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for Chapter 6, The Hidden Door. Want to read along? Super Sleuth's book for The Black Castle is available now on Kindle. Enjoyed today's chapter? Rate our podcast and leave a message telling us who your favourite character is. See you next time.